Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, and tonight we have a very special program dealing with uh, Pesach, and it's a recording from uh, an interview that I had with Rabbi Spitz, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Spitz from Eretz Israel, regarding the topic that we took up last week. You know, we discussed last week uh, the topic of quinoa, which is, even though many people don't even eat quinoa, but it's becoming a, a major uh, food, uh, and uh, there's a lot of things you can make with quinoa. It's becoming very popular. Yeah. Last year, okay. 2013. Yeah, this is uh, Rabbi That's Yosef. That's started already. Uh, the, this uh, last year, 2013, was the called the year of quinoa, and it's really taking over. So we decided that we would discuss a little bit more this issue because it sheds a lot of light on the topic of kidneyos. And uh, I, I, I went to, went to uh, somebody that I know very well, Rabbi Yehuda Spitz, who lives in Eretz Israel and who works for the Yeshiva Or HaGola, the Kolel Or HaGola, uh, the, for, uh, for the Kolel. He is the Yoshoel uh, Meshiv in the Kolel Halacha of Or HaGola. And he uh, also writes an article for the Or Sameach website, which you can get, we have details on the, uh, the recordings. So without further ado, I'm going to put him on, just going to take another minute to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, which is Glotmart, located at 1205 Avenue M. And of course, at pace of time, when you're trying to get ready for Pesach with all the needs, there's a great time to shop at Glotmart, and I personally feel that they're very competent in terms of taking care of the issue that you're going to hear about a little later on, about people who actually... Uh, are not stocking the shelves properly. I spoke this morning in a yeshiva called Har Torah. They had a, a pre-Pesach program that I did for several hundred children. And the, uh, it was, was very interesting that the, the, the children asked questions, and two of them commented about uh, going shopping in kosher stores and uh, either at the supermarket with a section that was kosher le Pesach or a whole Pesach store and finding things there that are not kosher le Pesach. And of course, the kids are the ones who find it and they're reporting it back to the adults who uh, hopefully are going to take care of it. But that's, that's the kind of thing that goes on in a lot of stores. And Baruch Hashem, my experience with Glotmart is that they are very competent in weeding out those things that you don't, shouldn't have such a problem them occur. So when you think of Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. And whether you shop for a few items or a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money at Glotmart. A way to save time is to pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance and use their valet parking service so you'll have your car ready to load up with all those wonderful things you purchased in the store. With the quality of meats there is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vada Kashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is a 1205 Evan UM, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashras on the Air over Jaywood Radio. And believe it or not, almost any time you think about this week, they're open. So if you think it's too late, don't. Just come by. They're open till very, very late every single night. And I'm sure you're going to be very happy with your purchases there at Glotmart. And please tell them that the uh, dove that you 
heard about us, that Rabbi Wickler sends his regards. So quinoa is our topic tonight, and without further ado, and that's not the only thing. We're going to have you people call in with questions, whatever you'd like to talk about for Pesach. Uh, I wish we could have gone through all the aspects of Pesach. It's just too involved. But this topic is something that I really wanted to do. I thought it was very important. And without further ado, we're going to listen to Rabbi Yehuda Spitz, an interview I did with him a few days ago uh, from Eretz Yisrael. Here we go. Oh, we're waiting. Doesn't, doesn't let me play it. Uh, well, we had it before. <laughs> I, I don't know if we can really. Uh... Are we gonna get it, Nissim? If not, I'll go and do it. I'll do the show without it. Let me see. We had yeah. it before. It was playing. <laughs> okay, if you want to call in and you have questions no, on Pesach, me. call in. Doesn't let me play. It doesn't let you play. Well, if you let want, me, give, me the, give it to you back. Me, no, give me the better. Okay, one second. We're gonna try it once more. Maybe we'll be able to get it. Anybody like to call in? Our telephone number here at the studio is seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. We're having a technical difficulty trying to get the tape to go on. Yeah, I'm taking phone calls right now. No problem. Here you go. We're going to interrupt when we get something. Here, let's go. Somebody's there? Okay, good. You're here on the air. Rabbi Wickler, go ahead, please. The Taster's Choice Coffee, it doesn't say... There are two types of it. One of them says Kashmir Pesach on it, and the other one doesn't. Is the one that doesn't say Kashmir Pesach on it Kashmir Pesach? Well, that's a technical question that you'd find out if you look in the book from the uh, OU, the OU directory. I don't have it here at the studio. Either you're going to call the OU at 212-563-4000, or you can go on the web. If you're allowed to go on the web, you or somebody in the family, if they want to, they can get it at ou.org, ou.org, and look up the pace of directory. But I can't answer the question for the OU. I'm very sorry. But in general, I know that that the regular coffees, um, they, uh, they sometimes consider it to be accepted without. I don't know right now. I'd have to uh, look it up myself. Thank you oh. for the call. I see okay. that all, all of... All the board is lighting I up. I know, but we have... But, to, okay, Rabbi Spitz uh, is on the it's air. It's working. Okay, okay so we're going to hear working. Rabbi Spitz first, and then we'll get to the questions. Magazine, you're unconscious on the air, and you're now going to listen to a an interview that I'm having with Rabbi Yehuda Spitz in there to Israel. I'm here in the States. And we're talking over the telephone, and you're going to listen in, and we're going to be able to hear a little bit about uh, some of the topics that uh, we need to know for Pesach, one in particular, a very important one. And uh, before we begin, I just want to introduce uh, our, our guest, who is Rabbi uh, Yehuda Spitz. Rabbi Spitz, say Shalom Aleichem. <laughs> you could say more. But anyway, Rabbi Spitz, so let me tell you who he is. Rabbi Spitz is the Shoyal Meshiv in the Or Legoyla Halacha Kolel in Eretz Israel. And he writes a regular column for Or, E-D-U, that's Or Sameach has a website. It's O-H-R period E-D-U. And that's the, the the site, and then his column is insights into halacha. And I read these things regularly, Rabbi Spitz. You're always sending to me. Well, yes, what happens? You're on the list. 
That's right. And if anybody wants to um, go to the site, you can go and look it up, ohr.edu, Insights into Halach is the section. Or you can uh, email Rabbi Spitz directly if you about some of the articles at uh, yspitz, that's S-P-I-T-Z, at ohr, that's or, dot edu. So that you can speak to him directly that way and um, comment on anything he's writing, which is pretty regularly. You'll be getting some very interesting articles. And Rabbi Spitz, uh, you have a very, very special uh, connection to kashas from bef- before you were born. Your, your father, Zalzan Gesund, is uh, in the kashas magazine every year. Rabbi Manish Spitz, who is uh, our authority on uh, all the issues of kashas in Florida. And uh, he himself had been uh, a Rosh uh, Yeshiva, Rosh Koilil, I'm sorry, Rosh Koilil himself uh, years ago. That's when I really knew him originally. So uh, you must have had a lot of training in the field. Did you ever go with your father on uh, some of the expeditions, especially maybe some of the um, some of the, the cruises? Many, many times I've been with my father on many, many different things. You mentioned cruises? But you were on, on one of the cruises with him? He, he did some boats. I've been on one or two of them many, many yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been involved in Kashrus, I think, since I've been 12. <laughs> Other, uh, beautiful, beautiful. But now, you, now you're writing. You've been and, in the and, kitchens. You, what? You've been in the kitchens, yeah. Kitchens. Yeah. And, but now you're involved in the writing um, about different halachic topics. I know quite often you tie into kashras. And one of them I, I noticed that you did talk about, and we were having an dis- interesting discussion on our show last week, was uh, the issue of quinoa and the whole problem with uh, kidneyos and uh, specifically how quinoa f- ties into that. You want to give us a little background on the topic? Well, certainly. Quinoa is actually one of the most interesting topics, definitely one of the most talked about topics last year, especially, as you know, the uh, UN declared 2013's International Year of the Quinoa, but uh, even so, 2014, the Gabe Pesach, everyone's still talking about it. <laughs> At least in the United States, I don't know about it in Israel, but in the States they're talking about it very much so. Yeah, much less of a... So let's start. What do you, what do you, where did it all begin? It all begins in the Andes Mountains, as in like Bolivia and Peru, where that's pretty much quinoa has been eaten by the natives there for many, many years. Uh, pretty much, actually, uh, for more than a thousand years. And but uh, it's only recently that it's actually trickled in to the uh, rest of the world. I mean, I did see an article from 1948 that already was speaking about this new grain or grain-like food that's tremendous, that's amazing. But uh, truthfully, it only really began in the late 90s and it's been pretty much picking up steam, gaining momentum. And uh, the quinoa revolution, per se, you know, it's, uh, you know it's, they call it you know, the grain that isn't the mother of all grains, the super grain. And it's being oh, used as a grain, too. They say it's got protein, fiber, magnesium, and it's cholesterol-free. I mean, it's... You know, it's the grain that isn't, the super grain. 
Rabbi Spitz, it's also being used very much in different ways, too. I, I saw a whole bunch of recipes. I was looking on it on the web, and I saw a bunch of recipes for cakes. Some of them are beautiful chocolate cakes, and who knows what else. And it's used in a, in a lot of ways. A cereal is being used in a lot of ways that's very similar to the five grains. Yeah, that's exactly why it may be a problem for Pesach, for the kidneys. But let's, let's back it up a bit. Now, we all know that chametz is the five grains, right? Wheat, barley, oats, spelt, and rye. Any of those you can make leavened products from them, that becomes chametz. But already in the times of the Rishonim, that most Ashkenazic postkin already wrote against eating kidneys. Now, this was not actually across the board at the time. There were a few who did not agree with this, but as this was the rule, as brought down by pretty much every Ashkenazic uh, posek, Rishonim, Achronim, against kidneys, which generally defined as legumes. I mean, there were certain times where there was a famine or something where, there was, where they were able to uh, allow it, but otherwise, this pretty much was across the board. And, I mean, the Aruch HaShulchan especially writes that once this is the exuders at a gather min Torah, and he writes in very, very strong terms that uh, how much are we, as Ashkenazim, have to keep it. However, most Sephardim do not keep this. I mean, it's a very important point. There was never a Sephardi issue. There are some who were more uh, stringent with rice, and there are still some nowadays who are, but generally speaking, the kidneys prohibition is an Ashkenazic prohibition. Now, there's really a few reasons given by the different authorities why these legumes or similar substances of grain, why they were pro- prohibited. Um, well, the main reason, I mean, as I mentioned, um, the, the Levushe Mordecai mentions that the main reason, which is really the earlier reason on the Mordecai, is that we're talking about little items that look just like grain. Yeah. And it can very easily get mixed up. Sometimes we're talking about they're grown in close proximity to grain. They can get mixed up. Others are in big storage containers. They're stored together with the grain. And you might end up being kind of, you know, accidentally, you know, which would hold the curries, you know, is not exactly a fun conclusion to eat something by mistake. So even, even though you might today be able to give hashkocha on it, and even though you might be able to put it in a package and, and guarantee that it's quinoa, but since the grain itself, if it would be made into a food, would be sitting around, and you might not be able to tell a the difference, then still it would be an issue. So in other words, the fact that, in other words... That's another one of the reasons. Even cooked issue is going to look similar. And of course, the last reason which you mentioned could be made into cakes and bread. So, if it, so really, there's these four separate issues that are brought up by the different Let's list them. Let's list them, Rabbi Spitz. List them four things, the four four reasons. One is they get mixed up by growing close proximity. Okay. Storage. So that's two. One is from cooked dishes. I end up looking similar. A top shell of kidneys. Yes. And the last one is that it can be made into a flour and make a bread out of them. Right. Okay. That's four. And how would you say quinoa uh, stacks up against that? Would you say that they that those four would apply to quinoa? It definitely seems to be that if that is our definition of how we define kidneys, then you know quinoa really would. It definitely looks very very similar to grain. In so, fact, um, last year I wrote an article for the Ami magazine Pesach edition, and they actually stuck in a graphic of a little girl 
right. It does look the same. It does look the same. I have nothing to do with the graphic. So, that was very, very interesting. But let me ask you this. If we just said that Kinwa technically fits into all four categories, then does that make it ipso facto immediately? Does that make it a, 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 a kidneyist and uh, all those rabbis that you mentioned earlier would not permit it? Or, or could there be other factors here? Well, that is, as they say, the $64,000 question. Uh, the $64,000 question shows how old you are because now we would be in the millions. But go ahead. I hear that. <laughs> um, to, well, that exactly is the crux of the question. So the fact that it can fit these four, do can we now come along, and the fact that it fits these four factors, these four separate issues, is that enough to say, yes, therefore, if it, you know, if it looks like it, smells like it, tastes like it, therefore it must be in the same problem? Or do we say, no, there's a separate issue? And actually, there's something has to do with, um, I saw I'm mistaken, Sir Francis Drake. He is the first one, as he circumnavigated the globe, if I'm not mistaken, who brought back all sorts of New World products from America, which they never knew about. And since it was several hundred years after the Kenyan's prohibition, there was definitely, you know, the Chok Yaakov, one of the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, already brings that down, as do many other authorities, including Ramosha. You know, the Ramosha, the God of Lador, that uh, such things might be an exclusion from the rules. And really, quinoa is not the first question. I mean, there's much, you know, literature, rabbinical literature about much earlier questions, like potatoes. We take that for granted nowadays, that potatoes is great. I mean, the Arif Shulchan mentions, he says, once you have potatoes, and there's never a reason to monitor any real, any real deal kidneyist, because, you know, potatoes are excellent. But way back when, it was a question. You know, earlier authorities, there is one or two who did mention that potatoes should be a problem. But then again, you know, potatoes do not really look like grain, last I checked. No, but the flour part, the fl- they made it the flour. We have, we have right. some... You have the flour part, and you can make potato bread, Right. but it doesn't fit the other two issues. It's not, you know, stored in grain. Not grown. It can't actually get mixed up. Right. I mean, any person who mixes up, you know, a kernel of wheat and a potato, I think, you know, um, you should no. check his eyesight. No, but if the flour is, it could look similar. Like peas also, peas are, peas are, so, so is one reason by itself enough of a reason to prohibit us kidneys? And generally speaking, we see that if it only fits one of the one of the issues, we see that, and especially if it was a new world item, and they didn't have it around the time of the prohibition, then it seems that they did not include it. Rosh Hashanah Orbach, in fact, he wrote that, that you see, due to this, that they never accepted it. So let, let's go back a second and, and just sort of uh, recap a little bit here. In Israel today, who are the, uh, what is the opinions about quinoa? Is it uh, everybody opposed to it? Are there different opinions? Um, what's the predominant uh, feeling? Uh, what, what is the situation in, of, about quinoa today in Eretz Israel? Well, in Eretz Israel, it's much... I was really get to the more of the background to get to this, but Eretz Yisrael is really much less of an issue, and pretty much it seems that the vast majority of the you know the contemporary authorities of the Rabbanim here, they all would seem to say that they would hope that they would squarely stick quinoa in the kidneys category. Yes. I mean, Rebel Yasher was quoted as saying that. Rosh Weiss was quoted as saying that. And in fact, even the, the, the chief rabbi of Israel, the new chief rabbi, Rabbi David 
are there authorities, or does the Rabbanut, uh, how does the Rabbanut uh, deal with it, do you know? I'm actually not certain. I have not seen any official statement from the Rabbanut. I know the the gods of Ada Paredes, they write in their book that they stick, uh, when they talk about children, that the the babies are allowed to have uh, formula. Right. And we all know the heter of of the kidney is formula for babies. They stick, uh, you know, corn flour. So corn is another one of the New World food items. Right. It fit all the criteria, and everyone across the board answered it. They all say it's considered, they all say corn was considered uh, kidneyous. So they stuck there with no corn flour and quinoa flour. Right. They squarely stick that in there. But I do want to say it's very important to note is that, that I don't necessarily subscribe to the notion that you can bring a full proof from any post gave Israel on the quinoa issue. And the reason is there's a Minag Yerushalayim, which was already brought down in the 1770s by the pre-Chadash, and it's mentioned again by Rabbi David Svi Hoffman of Berlin in the 1880s, and he dates it back to the Kanas Yerushalayim from the 1840s. And Rabbi Yashiv has writings on it, the Stipler has writings on it, in the Orchus Rabbeinu, and they all talk about this Minag Yerushalayim, which really dates back to the Talmidic Hagra. Is a Roman history lesson a bit. Is that the Talmudic Hagra, when they started in the late 1700s, the uh, Yishuv, the Ashkenazic Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael, they followed many, many Minhagim of the Gra. Now, one of the well known ones is that, you know, that most places in Eretz Yisrael doesn't every day. If you're Kohanim, in a regular weekday Shabbat, something you don't have in the rest of the world, right? the Ramah was against it, except for Yantif. No, yeah, the so one of the Minhagim of the Gra that's brought down by Sarab, You, you, you probably don't. You mean only Yerushalayim, or you mean that the Israel took a acceptance of that Minag Yerushalayim? Uh, I think it started off as Yerushalayim, and then it spread to both. Correct. In fact, if you look in the uh, Orchus Rabbeinu from the Stipler Gon, Rukhaim Kanievsky's father, he is in Chelik Dalid, in the fourth volume. They have over there an interesting story where he said that when uh, cottonseed oil, which the Minag in America has been really to Matur Medoros, but if you follow this Maiserav, it'll be us, or when it first came to the Brave Rock, I don't know how many years ago, 50, 60 years ago, he said he didn't know what, what to do with it. And he says, and they asked Rabbi Yashiv. And he says, he told him that Minag Yerushalayim Sri Machmer. So he said, originally in Brock they didn't. And then at the end of that, he writes, well, they seem to they took that on. So, so to sum it up, because we have to... Minag Yerushalayim, most places in Eretz Yisrael definitely do follow that. So to sum it up, as far as, uh, in a practical way, most of Eretz Israel does not use quinoa. In America, so there was... I tell most post-quinoa, those who have definitely written on the topic, as far as I've seen, I have not seen, as far as I know, a single post from Eretz Yisrael who has allowed it. And okay. even, you know, not necessarily the, uh, you know, there's those, Rabbi Ariel from Ramat Gan, you know, he, he, as far as I know, he also wrote um, that he... You know, disagrees with it. The Shmir Shabbos Kochasa wrote that he would agree with uh, kidneys also. As I mentioned, the chief rabbi of Israel, 
Right. And, you know, has a chuva about it. Russia Weiss and Roliasha, I mean, the Badats, I mean, it pretty much seems to be pretty much across the board of any any written response I've seen on the topic, definitely all say from the post-game in Eretz Yisrael, I've seen that they would be machmer with it. So basically what boils down to, as far as Eretz Yisrael, we see the, what you're explaining about the minhag of Eretz Yisrael today, uh, is following all these uh, different poiskim and the minhag Yushalayim, the background of the, the Tamiya Groh, etc. And in America, we have a little bit of a split, and it seems that since uh, the quinoa the, the is becoming very popular, everybody is, is talking about it and dealing with it, and I suppose we have to see... Uh, What's going to happen in the future in America, you know, how it's going to stack up. But everybody who is listening to this uh, to the, tonight uh, should consider uh, asking their own Rav regarding the issue of quinoa. And that's what we wrote in our magazine for the Pesach issue. We didn't get into it too involved because uh, there are the Star K and the OU are both giving Hashkacha on quinoa for Pesach. And not for Svadim, but for Ashkenazim as well. So uh, we decided that we're just mentioning the uh, that uh, everyone should ask their own Rav. Of, and I think that's the simplest way to deal with it. And I want to thank you very much, Rabbi Spitz, for joining us tonight. And we're going to have to get you back again. And anybody who wants to hear, see Rabbi Spitz's writings can easily do that by going to or, that's O-H-R dot E-D-U. And then just find the button for Insights into Halacha. Or if you want to email him, he'll do it all for you, get you set up in his system. It's Y Spitz, S-P-I-T-Z, at or OHR, period, E-D-U. And thank you very much, Rabbi Spitz, for joining us on Kashmir's On The Air. It was a pleasure. Very welcome. It really is my pleasure. Uh, we're back again with Rabbi Spitz, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Spitz in Eretz Israel. We... We had concluded uh, our discussion of quinoa, whether it was uh, kidneyos or not, but uh, there are a few points that we felt afterwards that we should add in, and we're going to do that now. Rabbi Spitz, you're going to give us a little bit of an understanding about the uh, uh, the sides that are uh, the lenient side that would say that ki- that quinoa is not kidneyos, and we should also mention that the CRC is together with the uh, K and together with the OU and the uh, Star K. All four of them are uh, considering kidney, uh, quinoa's not kidneyos, and in the OU and the Star K are giving hashkacha for um, for Pesach for the uh, for uh, for quinoa. And um, let's go ahead. Let's understand a little bit the the other that side. Oh, uh, sure. Well, we mentioned already the the logic of that it already wasn't around at the time of the actual Kidneyos Gezeira. But even more than that, it seems that not only is quinoa not, so it's not a regular regular legume. It's not really in the category of a standard Kidneyos. I mean, when they have it, although they're using it as such for these breads over there in the Andes Mountains, but it turns out it's a member of what they call the Goosefoot family, Kenopodium, which is really in the family of beets and spinach, mm. which... So in other words, it's not, it's not technically not not really zeronim either. So in such a case where it it isn't really related to anything of the sort, and especially if you're not going with as you're not necessarily beholden in the rest of the world to follow following the Maisara, following the Pinag of the Vilna Gaon, then you know the are some showing to bring it down, but then the Ramad obviously didn't hold to this, and the vast majority of Polskim did not either. So if that's the case, and they never 
So that would and they would feel that that is enough to allow uh, kidneys for Pesach, and as long as it's with Hashkafan in the proper facilities, and not consider it as kidneys. Very good. Thank you. But there is one point I want to make on that. Um, it's it may be true that they're careful about getting only the quinoa and not mixing it with the grains. But the other point that you raised that it looks like it. And if you're making it in a bowl and then the peers like it, etc., that is still going to look like it. So even if they make it um, uh, definitely wheat-free, it doesn't mean to say that the the grain itself does not look like something that that could be uh, one of the five grains. Uh, also, um, you know that 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 would that would take uh, that, that would take care of that. But you should know that you mentioned that it's not a. Um, that it's not actually a uh, a seed or a legume, etc. But then again, potatoes, which some people did uh, consider to be kidneyos, and another other number of things that that people were considering as kidneyos also didn't have that uh, legume status. So it seemed it was a little more broad than just the, the legumes. When, when we were kids, we always thought broad peas and beans. Legumes, but again, it depends on the minhug through right. generations of different places and post him how they decide if this should be brought in or not. Right. And we're not going to be able to decide tonight, and we're going to have to, we're going to, have to let it leave it for the Poiskim and for the Rabbanim of the communities for their individual really so. people. Right. Thank you very much, Rabbi Spitz, for joining us. Very, very much. So that was Rabbi Spitz, Rabbi Yehuda Spitz from Eretz Israel, who was our guest. We had a pre-recorded section of this show, and now we're ready to hear any of the questions that you may have about Pesach, whether it's to discuss the matter further about quinoa, or any other matter that's interesting to you. I see there are a few phone calls. We'll take them right away, but there's plenty of ways, plenty of time you can get in. I see the lighting up again. 718-683-5858. You can text us at 347-927-8398. Just to answer a question or two that came in texting already um, about toothpaste, yes, we should have a kosher for paste of toothpaste, and I've seen situations where there could really be chametz inside, and yes, we should have kosher for paste of toothpaste, absolutely. There are plenty of varieties. There's national ones under the OU. Uh, Tom's of Maine makes kosher lapesel toothpaste, and there are all these uh, regional brands and these Hamish brands that you see around all year, especially at Pesach. If you have a trouble getting them, call me up. I'll tell you how to get them. Anyway, right now we're going to take the callers. Go ahead, please. You're on Kashus on the Air with Rabbi Wickler. Go ahead, please. Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Um, I have two questions related to Pesach and one related to Kashru. Um, okay, the first question is, if I'm making something like, um, um, if I'm working with vegetables on a counter, um, could I just clean the counter, uh, make sure it's clean? Um, if it's cold, could I lean um, the vegetables on it, or do I have to do hagala and, and then be able to work on my counter? Uh, the counter has not been costed from, from, you don't put anything on the counter? You don't cover no, it with anything? No, I usually do Haggalah, but I'm saying it's cold. No, 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 no. Yeah, one second. If you make Haggalah? You can't make Haggalah. If you make Haggalah, you wouldn't have uh, a counter anymore. You don't no, stick... No, I do it. No, no, you don't, you don't call, you call it Haggalah. It's not Haggalah. Haggalah is when you put something inside. It's called Irui. When you're pouring it on, it's called Irui. All right, so Irui, you, yeah. So you, wh- what is the Irui that you do? You, you know, you, your counter is, what kind of material is your counter? It's for mica. Okay. So for mica, and you, you uh, take hot boiling water and pour it on? 
Yeah. And you yourself do it or somebody else does it for you? I do it. Okay. And did anyone ever show you how to do it? You did it already, right? Yeah, I've been doing it for but, years. No, but you did it this year already, right? Or you Not yet. Okay, good. So now I'm going to tell you how I know how Galah is supposed to be done. I've mentioned it on the show before, but I'm going to make sure that I can say it clearly here right now. You take the water and uh, put it, make sure it gets up to what we call a rolling boil with the big, big, big bubbles. It's right. going to take 20 minutes, a half an hour probably to get it up hot enough. It doesn't take five minutes. It takes a long time because you're talking about a whole pot full of it. Now, that, can t- that pot doesn't, could be chametz. It could be, as long as it's not been used, it could be, um, be Pesach, it could be Fleisch, it could be milk. It doesn't make what it is. Just as long as it's not used in 24 hours. And that water... You, you heat up the water in there until it reaches that rolling boil, and then you take the cover off, and immediately you start pouring it onto the, the counter. The problems are as follows. It loses its heat fairly quickly, so you don't want to do this over a prolonged period of time. It should take you a half a minute to, just, to, do it, to use that whole, po- that whole pot, or maybe a little bit more, but not much more than a half a minute a minute, Definitely not more than that, because by that time it's already losing its power. And anyway, you're going to pour it, once you pour it onto a section of your counter, or this is the same thing for the sink. If you have a metal sink, you can cash your metal sink. So if you pour the hot boiling water on there, after it hits, so then it starts to roll. The water rolls, and now you're throwing the water on top of water. So let's say this inch over here or these few inches over here have been hit by a splash of hot water. But the next few inches over, uh, the water that you spilled is going to flow there. And now when you continue to pour, you're pouring on top of other water. And in halacha, that water that was hit the, hit the tabletop or hit the sink becomes klisheni. And you're not hitting the surface directly. When something became chametz or became treif, it was because it got a direct pour from a kli rishon. But when you're pouring it on top of water, you're getting water, hot water, just hitting other water that's less hot, that has a din of klisheni, and then it's not necessarily going to work. So you have to move as you wa- as you're pouring, you move forwards. You keep moving your hands forwards and try to be ahead of the flow. That's what you have to try to do. It's an involved process. I don't understand why you do it. Uh, to me, just simply cover it over, and that's what, that's what we do. Just cover it over, and that's finished. You have these, uh, uh, I don't know what they're called exactly, some kind of plastic thing we get. Uh, it's only costs a few dollars. We cut it up, and it stays that way for years, and we put it on top, and that's all. The idea of cashering it is too time-consuming, too difficult, and uh, it could get burnt. Uh, we do casher the sinks that way, but uh, that's what we have to do. Okay, that's my suggestion. Okay. No, it makes sense. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we had another question. Yeah, another question and a, and a non-paceable uh, one, but you have to hurry up because there's a million right, calls. Okay. Uh, okay, so the question was, um, if, I, if someone by mistake um, put um, cold meat soup in a dairy mug, is it bad to throw out the mug? No, just wash it out. If you didn't, okay. you say it's cold, yeah, it's then cold. It, if it's cold, you just wash it out. You first wash it with cool water, not hot water, and, you put, and then you put a little bit of uh, soap in there and make sure that it's clean and nothing sticky on it. And don't use hot water until you know that it's really clean. And my last question is relating to Pesach. Um, I cleaned the oven. 
I don't have um, a self-clean oven, and my son didn't know that I cleaned it, but I didn't, I didn't burn it yet. He defrosted bread, but he, he put what, it on what the mean? What do you mean you didn't burn it yet? I just, I mean, oh, I, you co- didn't? I cleaned oh. it. Oh, I cleaned okay, it, okay, but yeah. I didn't burn it. Okay. Okay, and my son didn't know that I already did that, so he took a frozen bread, he put it in the oven to defrost it, but he leaned it in an aluminum foil, like he placed it over an aluminum foil. Do I have to, um, what do I do? Well, uh, for 20, uh, there's no problem. You're going you're gonna to burn it. You're going to burn it. There's no problem at all. The, uh, so the only, our problem, time, like, there there's, no, like, there's no problem. However, as my Rebbe Zatzal, Rav Zim and Zatzal taught, uh, you have to take those racks that you have in your oven and give them to somebody who has a self-cleaning oven and right. have them kosher the racks. The racks need to be koshered in a self-cleaning oven. They cannot be just left in your oven because they don't get burnt out enough. So as far as the oven itself, we're happy with the uh, uh, 550 degrees for an hour and a half. We're happy with that, but we don't like the racks being done that way. We like the racks being put into a self-clean oven, and that, that will really kosher them. Because as my Rebbe taught, you're not cooking on the oven, you're cooking in the oven. So the fact that the oven has something in it uh, is not a problem. We try not to have anything inside, uh, balloon inside, so we burn it out. But that's not a perfect burn. It's called, that, that, it's all called Lieben Kahl. Even the hour and a half burning is called Lieben Kahl. It's not Lieben Gummer. And therefore, what we do is we take and use the racks. We want, we want to make sure, because he puts things directly on the racks, so we want to make sure that they're really koshered, and we put them into a self-clean. i got to take the other calls. Thank, Thank you for so calling. Much. Thank Go ahead. You're on Kashas on the air. Can I help you? Yeah, vinegar, vinegar can be chametz and not chametz. You have to look at it. It's kosher a piece of vinegar, and that's what you have to have. Okay? And um, yeast, dry yeast. Is it chametz gummer? I can't hear what you said. What? Dry yeast. Is Ye- it chametz gummer? No, it's not chametz gummer, but you put it away. But you don't, But it's not chametz gummer, no. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, you're on Kashmir on the air with Rabbi Wickler. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead. Me? Yeah, you. Eh. Well, that was interesting. Okay. Okay, you're on cautious on the air. Hello, you're on the Hello? air. You're on the air. Hello, I'm on the air. Okay. I'd like to know about three items for Pesach. I'd like to know if if I can use soap on Pesach. What do you mean soap? What, we all use soap, but what kind of soap are you talking about? Hand soap? Or washing dishes? No. So, dish for soap? No. Uh, to, uh, for, your fa- for your face and your hair, it's dove men plus care with purifying grains. Uh, I don't know what it says on there. You have to tell me if you if it has if it mentions if it mentions something like wheat germ or like that. You know, that may be a concern, but otherwise a regular soap is not an issue when you're uh, using the bathroom, we're washing your hands or whatever it is. But when you want to touch food and you wash your hands to touch food, you have to make sure that the soap is really kosher. Pace, of course, you because it's one step away from the food itself. But as far as uh, the only time you have to be worried about these things is if it has a significant amount of chametz uh, ingredients. It's mixed in. It's not. It's nifsel miachilas kelev, but uh, some people don't use it on Pesach, and you can get plenty of soaps. They don't have all the stuff added into it. Okay, thank you. One more question, please. Yes, sir. Um, is it possible to have a, a chocolate milk kosher Pesach that has cornstarch in it? No, I mean yes, but not for not for Svarva, not for Ashkenazim. Uh, Ashkenazim well, can't. 
And Ashkenazim cannot have it. And anyway, I don't know if there's any company that's doing it because the oh, company. I have one. That's Koshal. That says Koshal. That's Koshal Pesach on it. It's from Israel? And it, and it's from Israel? No, from an American company. Yeah. I, I want to tell you the name. It, it, it's Golden Flow Chocolate Milk. It says Koshal Pesach and it has cornstarch in the ingredients. It, it's probably not cornstarch. It's probably so why it's, the because that's that's life, my friend. Uh, this happens, I would say, you know, five, ten times every year for Pesach. In fact, there's an organization called the CRC, the Chicago Rabbinical Council. Every year they make an announcement that all their sodas that they give Ashkocha to say that it has corn syrup and it doesn't have corn syrup. And the, every year they make the same mention because the, because it's too expensive to change that part of it. So, or else they made a mistake and left it in from before. I, I would, uh, uh, we're not, I'm not a betting man, but I'm pretty much sure that uh, if we would make the call to who the, I think, uh, I forget which, who gives the Ashkacha on Golden Floor, the CRC, CRC. I'm sure that if we would call them up, they say there's nothing, no cornstarch in there, no corn syrup in there. And this kind of mistake, is so common that you know we shouldn't get too nervous about it. It is good to check. It is good to ask the question because it could be a mistake the other way. But most of the time, in the 33, 40 years that I'm watching this, I have never seen, or I should say never seen, but I don't remember seeing where they really had the, the cornstarch in there and the, the kosher paste was a mistake. It's, it's much, much more likely that there's no corn syrup in there whatsoever. I wouldn't even. Okay. I mean, I, I would call if you want. You can call them. Mm-hmm. They're they're mm-hmm. listed in the phone book as a Central Rabbinical Congress in Williamsburg. Yes. Or you can okay. call them up, but I'm pretty sure. Well, call Golden Flow, but I'm pretty sure they're very cooperative. Golden Flow, and I'm pretty sure that uh, it's it's not an issue. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you. Have a day, Go ahead. Next caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashmir Sandia. Can I help you? Yes, I want to make a comment. Uh, the lady called about the taste of choice before. Yes. Okay. You looked I it up I in the book. This. You looked in the book. No, no. I, I, the OU, I don't think writes about it, but I, there was a. There's no, they a, do. They do. They do. They do. They 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 have a rule about about coffee, and I even have it in my book. I don't have it here. I'll tell you why. Because I saw it in the store today. There's a run that comes from Korea, ah. and it has two different hakshayrim. It doesn't have nothing with the OU or the OK. Yeah. It has Rabbi Chalap and the Chuk Sam Seifer. Yeah. So that's nothing to do with the regular process. The regular no, but the OU has a sheet. Uh, I, it, I, there was a time when they said that all of their plain coffees were kosher basic. But then they've changed that since then, and I don't have the wording in my magazine right. in front of me. If you check up my magazine or you check up the directory from the OU, it says clearly the answer to the, the question. Okay, okay, I just wanted to tell you that. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Take it. Go ahead. You're on cautious on the air. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I would like to ask you, if you take the racks from the oven yes, and the grids from the top and no. the burners, can you go to over with a torture? Instead of putting the, of course, the, I don't know. Of course, you can do that, it's, but you, but I, but you, it's, but sometimes it's just better than select oven cleaning. Not but, everybody has select oven cleaning at all. Right. I, I with, what what you did do is we gave if it some. I have a regular oven. It'll well, take yeah. out the racks. Right. Well, I, I the, understand. I understand. But I don't want. I want to make sure that you are I'm safe. I'm talking of somebody. A man has a small torture. Right. But I want to make. Sh- I want to make sure that you are careful with this. This is extremely dangerous. 
And if you, and, because it gets so hot that if, it, if you just touch it and you think it's cooled off, you could burn your hand terribly. So, yes, 100%, that's a very good method. It's, it's, that's called Libun Gamor, and that's, that's 100% appropriate. But though you have to be careful. You can't hold it with your hands. You gotta, you have, I don't know how to use that. that, that uh, flyer, you have, you have, flyer, to, you uh, have to know how to do it. My friend, you have to know how to do it. I, the professionals, I have pictures of it. The professional with special gloves. They're wearing big boots. They're careful about it. It's it's not something they should play with. But if you not, if you not have, what I'm talking with torture. Right, I'm talking about that. That's that's why in my uh, that's why we try to shoot for something that's safer. You know, uh, we were talking before about kashering the uh, the the stove uh, about kashering the countertops, and there are some people who use what they call uh, and you know they 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 use an Evan Malubin. They have a, a they heat up a, a brick. Or some kind of stone-like material, and they heat it up on a fire, and they put that in, in the sink or someplace, even on the, on the, the it would kill yeah, away. And they people. and they pour hot boiling water on top of that. That is such a sakana. Anyone who knows about it says this is not. It's only for professionals. We can't. Uh, we people got to be very careful with this kind of method. We used so, to do it in our house in the sink. We used right, to do it. Right, but it but isn't necessary. Right, but, but it isn't. It isn't a hundred percent necessary, and we advise against it because of the danger. As far as this thing goes, I would advise you to ask a friend who has a self-clean. But if you want to do it, again. Call a kavod. Make sure you're savory safe. Also, Have a hard customer. Yeah. How is about how is about some people that say if you put on the burners, an old grid on top of one burner, and you put it to like in the you put on the fire from the burner. Right. Right. Yes. And you let it go for a half an hour now till it gets red. It's yeah. also a little oh, like uh, you don't need a half. You don't need a half an hour. But yes, that that works. But if you have any. Uh, semi right, right, right. I know, I, I know, I know. But if you have even a semi-new uh, oven, you're going to kill away the the machinery in the back. That that ma- material in the back, where it has all the numbers and lights up and and, and all the punch and bake and all that stuff, it's going to get melted. I'm not talking mel- about that. I'm talking about it doesn't have the numbers. Well, if you if you don't have that panel, then yes, what you can do is you can take what we call extra heavy-duty aluminum foil. Not just a, a heavy-duty, extra heavy-duty. It's a, that's the thickest that they have that you could buy. And you could take a little of that and put it over a grate and turn it on. Five, ten minutes is enough. It'll burn out beautifully. But very careful because when you cover it with that aluminum foil, and if you let that aluminum foil go over your formica, it's going to burn. The formica is going to be burnt. Unfortunately, I, I'm an aid echo. Not this. talking about formica. I'm talking on the. I know, the but I'm saying what people the do is they put the grid that alone. Right, but they. But you have to be careful when you ex- that they don't extend that uh, tin foil too far over where it goes over the formica because it, it it traps the heat under it tremendously and you could burn the uh-huh. formica. Yes, that is a good method, and that's done professionally even today at all of the, the chasnas when they go to the I remember you used to put the burners for half an hour, an hour. That's it. Uh, well, th- they, they, I think the way we're doing it now, we're talking about... Well, you see, you take a hammer and you hack a little bit, and then it starts to go finkle for that. Right, yes, out, yes, but when you, cover, when you cover it with a tin foil, heavy-duty tin foil, which we call extra heavy-duty, then, then it keeps, it locks in that heat you don't need a half an hour. Maybe five, ten minutes is enough. Uh-huh. Thank, I have a hard kasher with some We got a million callers. Go ahead. Go, Hello. 
Uh, we lost that one. Yes, yes, you're unconscious on the air. Yes, I'd like to ask you about carrots, regular carrots. You see, I see in the stores they have dirty carrots and just plain regular carrots. Is there a problem using the regular carrots? No, you mean you mean the little carrots? Not the little, just regular size carrots. But I see here, I live in Flatbush. I see I'm so in they, superma yeah. supermarkets. They see these, these dirty carrots. Right. They look like they came, came out of the ground, right. as yeah. opposed to the ones regular, but may, may have been washed. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure they were washed, but I don't. I don't know of any kidneyist that, that was used. If worse that you do is wash it off a little bit, it shouldn't be a problem. However, I must advise you that many of those carrots, the big, thick, fat carrots, yes. are from Israel. Oh. And you better check it at the store. Some of the stores put it up. Some of the stores don't put it up. But the real good, fat, juicy carrots, the big, fat ones, a lot of them are from Israel. You have to watch uh. against it. We have to watch for that. But as far as the, your, what you're concerned, I would just wash them off. I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, and it's, nothing. And it's, and it's not like it's not like something else which uh, you 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 have like uh, some they spray on the, the onto the uh, you know onto the waxing of the of the fruits. This is something that if it, if they did like you're saying and they did mm -hmm. add a little bit of kidneyus, it would just be kidneyus. And if it and if they did do that, it would be easily removed with water. Okay. Okay, another thing. Now, I see convection ovens, like you see these portable, portable convection ovens. Now, do you know if they, they test them before with bread or anything like that? I don't know, but I, why would they test them with bread? Or, or something they would test it, if they don't, if they would test it with, on a bread or I guess anything with hormones, I don't know, you know. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see your concern. Yeah, well, that we have, we have, we discovered many years ago, really, 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 really many years ago, I tell you how how many years ago you're going to be surprised, but about 35 years ago, 34 years ago, we discovered that. Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened. A person who now is a big Rosh Hashiva mm -hmm. came came to me about 34 years ago, and he said, "I want to tell you something that I discovered." And I spoke to Rabbi Bick. That was Rabbi, uh, that was the, the first Rabbi Bick. Rabbi Bick about it. And uh, Ramosha Bick, and uh, and that's all. And and uh, he, he he told me uh, that an issue, etc. And he told me about how they checked uh, toasters with bread. They actually to make sure the toasters work, they used to stick it down, etc. And then we went into the issue with the toaster ovens. And I <coughs> raised that question uh, at that time that you have to clean out very carefully. Uh, when you buy a toaster, you have a concern mm. that there's actually bread in it, so it's a concern for kashras. Maybe they're using it for kashras. And then you'd ask the same question, maybe they're doing it in a toaster oven. So we investigated, and, uh, and, the, uh, and it was like a big chiddish when I came out with that. And the Star K did a serious investigation of all of the people who were making it, and they said I was right. And uh, that that was that was being done, and they started to say, well, this place is using kosher bread, and that was the kosher bread. Most of the bread is kosher, but it doesn't help for Pesach, and right. even in general, I don't think you can rely on that most of the bread is kosher. Right. So we had an article about that in every issue of the for the last thirty something. Yeah, years. I still have that article. And, and, <laughs> I, and, I, I saved all your magazines, and, but I just. I just so, but, well, but I want to say between a convec no, okay, convection so, oven. Okay, so the problem is like the thing is like this. Why did they check that kind of equipment? 
because mm. that was for toasting. It was for <laughs> fast production. They don't check with bread, and they don't check with meat in your in the most of the convection. Uh, the mm-hmm. convection is sold. There is a possibility that they do some spot checking to make sure the machines are working well. But they always told us when we contacted them that they're selling those off in a special uh, place or giving into employees, but they don't sell them to you, to the public, because they called they considered to be used. So I don't uh-huh. think we have a concern, but if you have, and people have called me over the time that they spotted something in an oven and it looks a little greasy and they're concerned, what may have happened is somebody may have returned one and uh-huh. when they bought it, they bought a used one without knowing it. And that is a big problem. But again, that's visual. You can inspect it. Thank you very much for the call. We've got to answer a few more people. Have a chag kashva sameach. Go ahead. You're on kashvah on the air. Yeah, do you, when, do you need to get, like, kosher or Pesach pet food? Oh, this is a big one, my friend. How old are you? Ten. Ten. And what's yeshiva? Yeah, you called us before, I think. Hashem. Let me tell you, I just spoke about it today to the to the to the children in in Hatara where I was speaking this morning. Yeah, this is a big problem. You have to get special food. Uh, you got to be very careful because they use a lot of wheat. you know, in the um, in 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 the in the pet food, and uh, you know, I'm talking about whether it's dogs or cats or fish. And really what you're going to have to do is find some alternative. Um, there, uh, the Star K has a lot of stuff on the website about it. We've had something about it. If you want to call me at the office, 718-336-8544, even leave a message and I'll try to get back to you. It's very close to the umpter, but I'll try to do it, 718-336-8544, and I might be able to give you some suggestions. Uh, you have to know about the specific thing. The best is to go to the, go to the Food, uh, the pet store, call them and ask them. But uh, there are always are alternatives. The fish will eat a uh, little uh, shrimp. The um, you could get a little bit of matzah, but it's gonna be very, very little, or you're gonna have them belly up. If it's uh, if it's a dog food, the dogs can eat a lot of stuff. They can eat regular meat and regular things, and they get everything. They just have to make sure that it's gonna be kosher pesach, hundred percent. You're not allowed to own or have any use of. Anything that is chametz during Pesach. Okay? Chakashi v'sameach. Take care. Okay. We only have another minute or so. So if, if you have questions after tonight's show, you can still try to reach us at the office. We're going to be in and out of the office. 718-336-8544. You still want to get the magazine, the Kashi's magazine for Pesach. We have them at sale in the stores, and you can call us. Maybe we'll be able to run one over to you. So uh, you're on the air. Kashi's on the air. Go ahead, please. You're on the te- you're on the radio. Hello. Yes, you're on the radio. Go ahead. Yes, I want to know if OUP stands for OU. Yes. Passover yes. Or OU, um, yes. Five. Yes. No. 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 The OU, the OK, the Kuf K, the Star K, all the major hashkachas that you know of, always use the P for Pesach, and they write out the word Parva. It, it's maybe once in every couple of years they make a mistake, but the point is, yes, you can make the assumption that P means Pesach. And it has to appear with a P unless you happen to know that they don't need a special Pesach designation. The Star K has a list of things, and the OU has a list of things that don't need a special Pesach designation. 
Uh, we are really out of time, and I wish everybody a Chag Kasha V'Sameach. Thank you for calling. And we will not be having a show next week. We will join you after Pesach. Have a Chag Kasha V'Sameach.